To see examples of what we talked about on this episode, along with further information, go to bunchofdorks.com. Welcome, everyone, to... Two Dimension Podcast. The comic book podcast... With no direction. What's up, everybody? You know the song, you know the voice. It's your boy, Rook. And with me, as always, is Mr. Don Moore. Hello, everybody. And joining us today is the Queen of the Dead, the Mistress of Merchandise, the one and only Lori Calcaterra. Yay! Hello, everybody. I'm so happy to be here. This is the best show. I feel like I'm hanging out with two of my best buddies right now, so I'm excited. Lori, we we go back and forth so much, uh, chatting, talking about different stuff, and I mean, I, we I have not said much to you about issue three of Path of the Pale Rider. <laughs> All I'm gonna say is his mom, his mom. <laughs> I mean, when we first started this, I don't know if you guys remember. I, I don't know if Don, you and I had that first interview, and Rook was not there. And um, in issue one, I flat out told people, don't get attached. Um, <laughs> everybody dies at some point, pretty much. <laughs> but the cool part is, is in the story, just because they die doesn't mean they're out of the story, right? It just means that it gets more complicated. So that's what happened to Jude. Life got complicated. Oh, God, I haven't read it. No. Oh, <laughs> don't don't feel bad. I mean, just have that in mind that when you read yeah. issue one sets kind of the tone. It's like he's got a companion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you and I first spoke, that's the thing that gets me about this is this sends your mind down so many different avenues. And, you know, when she sent us, I think it was seven pages in the cover. Yeah. And it it was it gave me a feel for what the book was. And then when we spoke, I said, I didn't see any of this coming. Well, Rook kindly let me read the first issue. Um, completely different experience. You know, um, it it took me out of those seven pages and gave me a whole new scope. Every time we speak, there's more and more. So what you just told me, um, you kind of lost me for the rest of the episode because I'm going to be thinking about all these different rabbit holes that you've created that's unbelievable right well i mean the issue one we're right in the apocalypse with jude st Clair, where he's in the wild and he's making decisions and he comes across he makes bad decisions which ultimately wakes up big james the undead bear um and of course consequences right there's immediate consequences to that um and then issue two we change it so we see him in a town with living people and you find out it's just as dangerous as if when he was in the wild. Um, I love issue two. It's called Welcome to Santa Claus. The town is called Santa Claus. Um, really funny. The people there are just vicious. And uh, Jude picks a fight because he wants information. And then I kind of get you. Well, I mean, I don't want to spoil it. But he ends up in a place with a person, right? And right. um he starts telling this person how his journey started. So we flash back to the beginning and that's kind of what we had talked about last time, but you got to see like five years of the apocalypse in book three. We started yeah. at like day one. Um, I don't know if you noticed this Rook, but I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. We started adding journal pages to the beginning of the book. So you're reading Jude's journal, okay? Oh, and he okay. talks about like from the beginning how like people didn't know what was going on and then like people making bad decisions leading to famine how animals are affected however if you look a little deeper when you look at the dates that stuff happens in his journal yeah for example the date in the beginning of book three is mother's day <laughs> oh my god i did yeah you know what's funny is i did i did go back through and look at dates because i was like okay did what you timeline what 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 is the timeline we're actually looking at here right through this 
And yeah, it was like, oh God, this is like, wow, this is brutal. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm watching all this stuff happen and I'm like, this is like no time at all. Things just no. fall apart. Very fall. Quick. And they would, they would. Like as soon as like your food source is gone pretty much or it's decimated, things would just get so chaotic. People make bad decisions. People be fighting in the street. Um, yeah you know, over food. Well, we saw some of that in three. Yeah. You know, through the course of, of the, of the time where everything just, just was bad. It was horrible, but yeah. there was still, it still felt structured because Jude was connected to his house, his parents. And, you know, at the end of three, it, it almost feels like a hopeless situation with what happened. And it was just like, Oh God, what is this guy going to do now? I mean, wait, um, I, obviously no spoilers, but when the Kickstarter launches on September 18th, you'll get your first look at the first four pages of four. And when you talk about devastating, the way oh. that these guys, my artist guys, Marco DeFillo and Matt Chambers, the way that they did these pages, I was like, this is tragedy. Um, I didn't even have to letter the pages, guys. I, I seriously could have just put them out as is, and you would feel what they're feeling. Yeah. Um, it's heartbreaking, yeah. right? Well, uh, and I would expect nothing less after the ending of issue three. Uh, just like I just sat there and I'm like, wait. So, last page but that's not how you end it seriously i know <laughs> i'm like leave it to lori I, I, I think i got mad about the end of issue two with you too as well <laughs> i mean i love i i love doing that it's like put the knife in give a little twist like i want people to come back right Absolutely. that's the whole point you gotta know what happens next you gotta What's- know Speaking of people coming back, let's talk about the some of the new people on the project. You've yes. got new cover artists. <laughs> um, I try to bring in someone new. I try to switch them up a lot of times. So, yeah. like, I had David Rodriguez for a, a few covers, and I had Everett Watkins for, like, three covers. He does such amazing work. Um, and then I have, like, I had William Russell. I had Ken Salinas. I had Rich Parada. I had who else? Um David Sanchez did that beautiful cover of the undead woman yep. um, who is a main character, by the way, we just haven't met her yet. So I'm yes. waiting. Everybody's going to think she's one person because there is someone coming fairly soon, but it's not her. It's somebody else. Um, so anyway, so on this campaign, there's uh, Lacey Kruger, who's kind of a newer face, uh, but she's local to Texas and I've met her. She does this really interesting, like, um floral and horror style it's like this duality um where half of the page is this beautiful floral arrangement and the other half is like Leatherface. (laughs) it's really cool i don't know it's just um it's very dynamic so when i was thinking about issue number four issue number four is like it's the end yes that's her beautiful cover it is the end of what was normal and it so it's the death of old society and the birth of the new, right? The new normal and the tragic way that things work now. Um, it's the stepping off point. Everything burns down. Burns down. We burn it Man. all down. <laughs> so her picture is that. It's the, the duality, the, the coming to terms with the new normal it's chock full of secrets. Um, I have, I had her put in all sorts of images and symbols of things that are coming. Um, there's hidden characters in this new one. I love it because you're going to see a main character that doesn't show up until the second arc, but he's there and he's caught yeah. in trouble. You just don't know who he is. Oh, man. So it's just really interesting because Jude is seeing this character that he's going to butt heads with later on. And when you find out who he is, you're going to have to go back and reread this this issue again four and five he's there four. um okay so yeah. so but we we won't be seeing him in for a while as he a, shows as... up in well now i changed it we had 13 issues in the first arc and i condensed these two issues so four and five became four so we're we're giving you a meteor issue 
I think we're going to have 28 pages instead of 24. And okay. then, dude, issue five is so dense. I, I, Marco and I were looking ahead to what's coming, and he was like, boy, you can't fit all that into 24 pages. <laughs> I was like, well, if it needs to be more, it needs to be more. But um, we catch up in time in the next issue. So right. there's a lot. There's a lot that happens. So anyway, um, and then so then my new favorite issue, it used to be eight, is now seven, which works great because lucky number seven, right? Mm. And then uh, the first arc ends at 12. So this character, the, who shall remain nameless, shows up in 13, like right in first page of 13, he's there. Okay. All right. So we, we don't have too far to go, people. No. To find out who this mystery character I is. I know. We keep working. We'll get there soon enough. And oh, that first issue, it's a doozy. And I, I've said this before, like, this first arc is crazy. The second arc is 100% worse. 100%. Like, big explosions, blowing up buildings, bigger bombshells, more information, killing off people, crazy, crazy stuff. It's so much fun, and I can't wait to get there someday. Maybe when I'm 85, who knows? <laughs> why, why did you com- condense the two issues? Um, we looked at the two issues, and both of them were a little bit not enough. You know what I mean? Like mm. it was probably like 75% of an issue. And when I looked at that one, and I looked at the next one at what was coming, I was like, it just makes sense. Let's put them together. Let's get forward in time a little quicker. Um, It just made a lot of sense for a lot of different reasons. 12 is a great number for trade paperbacks as well, because then we can do uh, four, three, three trade paperbacks with four issues each, which makes more sense instead of having this one off 13, which just kind of makes things awkward. Yeah, it throws an odd number in and kind of messes up the count. Yeah. So uh, we did some adjusting. Um, I added some things, took some things out. Uh, right. woo, I know. <laughs> it was a big <laughs> deal for me. Um, but yeah, it, the, the issue was much stronger, the two of them together. Right. A lot of times when I, I've heard this, that people will, you know, writers will condense a couple of issues. Usually it's for deadlines. In the past, I'm talking the past, like in the 70s. And... Sometimes it just feels rushed, but in your case, it doesn't sound like the way you explain it. It's like you just didn't feel like both issues were meriting that much space. Yeah, that's... Well, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead, finish, finish. Well, oh, no, I, I, was just saying, <laughs> I was kind of hoping you would take over. No, um... Okay, so what I was going <laughs> to say about that is, when, remember when I wrote the script, it's a full-length movie. And I had to break it up into issues when we decided to turn it into a comic book series. So at the time, those made sense. But really, if you put them together now that I'm now that we're into the comic making, they make much more sense now yeah. that I've had some um, issues under my belt kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and as you've as you've grown as a comic book writer, you're starting to see things. Do I really need to include that? Do I need to include this? Right. This is more important. I need to get this across. Right. Exactly. As a writer, do you look at the parts that you pull out of it and go, hmm, maybe later? You know what? The stuff that I always pull out, we can always do, we can explore it with bonus material. So those riddles, the, the short films, um, those are really other ways for us to get some of that material that I can't work into the main story. Um, yeah. I'm excited for it. I need, I need to clone myself. <laughs> I would love to clone myself because I have this great short film planned and I'm going to be launching a campaign and I have, well, I don't know, 32 interviews stacked up. So um, I don't know when I'm shooting this thing, but it'll get done. Um, but it's going to be called a day in the life which is ironic because it's a day in the life of someone who like bites the dust in the first scene of the film. So he wakes up undead and uh, the, the stuff that he and his family go through, um, you can, we're going to see up close and personal yeah. what happens. You know what I mean? Losing time, getting forgetful, getting smelly, having people be afraid of you, losing your house, stuff like that. It's all going to 
Yeah. Yeah. Become real, you know? Yeah. Um, so I have that planned and I was really excited for this. And uh, if you guys still want to jump on this, there's still time. So at the end of the short film, I have a bunch of people that I have zombified using photo filters. They're really creepy too. Um, and they're going to scroll past the screen as uh, they were collected, right, by the collectors and kind of their rap sheet as they go by. So like people are going to like robbing a bank or disappeared into the ocean, never seen again, or you know what I mean? Got lost in the grocery store and we just picked them up. No one claimed them, stuff like that. So people were able to participate just by sending me a selfie and then I altered it and turned them into a zombie. Everybody had a blast. They all look freaky. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and that that's one of the things I love about this project is that you're not you're including the audience. You're not just like doing all this stuff and like, you know, you guys can see it. No, you can you are including the audience in so many of this so many parts yeah. of this project. Yeah. Yeah. Um the short films, yeah. And then even in some of the stretch goals, we did the slice and dice mm -hmm. uh where we murdered a watermelon that was freaking hilarious. I dressed up as Pikachu and People got to vote on the weapon of destruction and people got to vote on what to name the watermelon. So um, watermelon was named King Joffrey Baratheon and I, I murdered that watermelon on a live stream and it was a blast. So uh, we're gonna do that again. Um, since it's gonna be October when the campaign ends, we'll, we'll smash a pumpkin. And uh, I, I'm really contemplating building a giant like Gallagher size mallet. Just so maximum radius of carnage. Super smash. Just Super smash. Every... It's going to end up in my pool. It'll be great. <laughs> the, dog will, the dog will be eating pumpkin out of the grass for weeks, I'm sure. <laughs> next, next year, you're going to go, what is this plant? Oh, it's oh a pumpkin. I have pumpkins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you're you're also extremely well known for everybody on the cool merchandise that you bring to the table on your <laughs> Kickstarters. We already know there's a new pop figure coming. Yep. I'm curious, what else do you have having having? Oh, I have planned. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. words are hard. <laughs> so um, we will all be having a Path of the Pale Rider trucker hat like this one here I'm wearing. It's a uh, black, white on the front with uh, it has a red blood splash and POTPR with an O being a scully. Um, so those are the new kind of merch. I have two new shirts. Um, I had someone design them for me this time. I didn't do it myself. Uh, so that's the first time I did that, but they're, they're graffiti art and it ties into the, they always tie into the episode, but um, this one is, you can pick a side, kind of like how we did for the first campaign where you could have a disc, either a green disc or a red disc. Right. Now it's pick a riot side. So if you choose the living side, your shirt will say no pulse, no rights. So in other words, if you have no pulse, you're done. Get out of here. Um, and then the, uh, the, the undead shirt, we'll say dead outside, still human inside. But there's like a brick wall and then there's the graffiti art for both of them. They turned out really good. So Everett Watkins, who normally does the cover, did my t-shirts. Because <laughs> I was like, I need Everett involved. He's been around since the beginning. Yeah. So he just did the yeah. t-shirts this time. So uh, I, have not, I have a new secret reward, um, which is a lot less expensive than the other ones have been. Um, the other ones took me quite a bit of supplies. This one doesn't take as much supplies, but still is super cool. Um, so I always recommend the secret reward because those I, I make myself um, and they're all, they're always super cool. Sometimes they're a little demented. Uh, I wouldn't call this one demented. It's just like really cool. Um, yeah. I, I, and I can't tell you what it is until after the campaign. Once I, when people back those, when the survey goes out, I announce what they are. Um, and this one will have a couple of choices to it. Like the last one, I built a, a working disc for somebody. You were involved with that because I was like, I'm trying to yes. figure out. Yes, we can talk about this yeah. now. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Yeah, I was like, all right, I'm on a CAD program I've never <laughs> used before. You've 3D printed, right? And <laughs> I was like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> I was like, 
Yeah, like I, I I print like miniatures and like scenery, scatter terrain, and here comes Lori with this amazing. I mean, like designed it completely herself, and now she's trying to get it printed, and she's asking me questions, and I'm like, oh god, I don't know. <laughs> but it worked out, and I mean, I I remember just sending you pictures of like the the failure. <laughs> like, oh yeah. And it all wonky and it came off the thing and like I was like no this is cool but I can share it <laughs> yeah but you know it, it I, I got I got to see the progression of the discs yeah design to print to getting the actual lights included everything I mean it yeah. was you you did such a process creating these things and it looks so freaking cool it yeah, really and- does Mine is special because it has both the red and the green lights. Um, the one I made for the last Kickstarter, I made them choose. Do you want green or red? Uh, yeah. Of course, they went red. So um, they got a dead disc. So it just cracks me up. But I love mine. I wear it to cons and I wear the big old cowboy hat <laughs> at my <laughs> table. <laughs> yeah. Have a good old time. So, yeah, I think that's it. I have some new patches. Um, first campaign, we had the rioter patches. This time, there's collector patches. So I know okay. there's that. Um, oh, oh, Rook, we're going to do a sketch cover. Um, and one of the options is to have Marco do the sketch on, on your sketch cover. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's freaking cool. So you could get an original Big James from the guy who draws Big James on the front cover of four, if you want. Um yeah. Speaking of Big James, I needed to ask, and I'm assuming because I know how you are, <laughs> the bear we see in issue three. Yeah. It is Big James. That is Big James. That's that was his origin. Yep, right okay. there. Okay. Yes, we got to see Big James' origin story in yeah. issue three, and it doesn't doesn't say it exactly. Right. But if you, if you know the story, if you know Big James, you see the wound and immediately i went that's definitely big james do you want to hear something really funny about that page so i had a pledge level on the last campaign to get drawn in to be mauled by big james on that page because we knew it was coming right um my father-in-law backed that level (laughs) i murdered my father-in-law on the comic of course you did. He, I, I warned him. After they backed it, I was like, did you mean to back that level? And they were like, well, we kind of just picked one. And I was like, okay, you didn't want the Funko Pop? He's like, no, I like this. I want to be drawn in. I'm like, did you read it? Because I'm going to take your, I'm literally going to take your head off. And he was like, oh, can you draw me with hair? And I was like, can you draw me? can you draw me with hair yeah that was his biggest concern can you draw me with hair and i was like send me a reference photo of you with hair i'll send it to marco there you go so yeah so on that last panel the the head with the blonde hair that's my father-in-law what was he having was he happy with the results he was ecstatic he was like i'm famous if people want me to sign that page i'll sign it for him and i was like wow that is so awesome. I love I love your father. Love it. That is so great. Oh my god. Uh, they're a riot. <laughs> I was like, are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> they're all like, uh, oh yeah, yeah, it's fine. I'm like, I'm happy. <laughs> oh man. So I gotta take a second and talk about Path of the Pale Sauce. Yes. I gotta know. Oh man, it, it's great. It's great. Absolutely fantastic sauce. Uh, you know, I I love hot sauce. <clears throat> Problem with most hot sauces is that people focus on the heat mm. and not the flavor. That sauce that you made is spot on. It's got the heat. It's got a good amount of heat, let me tell you. But every little bit, every bit of it has got flavor to it. Nice, good flavor. And the freaking awesome case that you sent it in. Oh, my God. Y'all listening. I'm getting better at 3D printing, right? She literally 3D prints a case that this bottle fits 
perfectly into to be secured and, and shipped with. Yeah. It was brilliant. Yeah, Absolutely only brilliant. only the okay. So I made 24 bottles of hot sauce. That's just the pack that it came in in the batch that I can make. But only the people that were Kickstarter backers got that special case. Nice. Um, so I'm still like I have extra bottles. I go to cons and actually that's one of my best sellers. <laughs> people are like, I'd like a comic and a hot sauce, please. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, why absolutely. Not? Especially if, if they've tasted it, they're definitely going to get by more. <laughs> but then, I was like, Rook, are you going to have some while we're on our interview? I would love to see your expression. But, hey, it's all right. You don't have to. You know, no pressure, no pressure, no pressure. You know, I've really thought about it. But then again, uh, you know, I am I'm literally at the end of this show leaving for Denver. <laughs> <laughs> right? You're like, that's exactly what I don't need is to be driving in the car for hours. And have to stop at the bathroom because I got fire butt, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. The the sauce I have used it in uh, various cooking, um, you know, on top of burgers, different things, and it and it goes great with so many different things. So if uh, you know if y'all are listening and you're interested in hot sauce, you definitely want to go check this one out because it's fantastic. It's not gonna be on the next campaign. <laughs> <laughs> okay, y'all do it. Uh, I got a bottle and you don't. Sorry. <laughs> um, I have to be FDA approved to continue doing more food items. There's a certain point where you can do free sample, and after that, like they they pretty much put a put a cap on that. So <laughs> eventually, I would love to sell it out of my store. Um, but there's a process to that, and I just haven't started that yet. But um, well, I really I mean, enjoyed making the hot sauce. It's not like you're more. busy with like, you know, writing a comic, doing merch, making <laughs> t-shirts, you know. <laughs> you should see, oh my God, time. you should see my welcome video for this next Kickstarter. And I always do something where I talk and I usually have some shenanigans. Like um, I was shooting zombies in one and like got pulled out of screen and mauled by a bear and I was all bloody. Um, last one I wore my uh, my disc. And uh, had a nosebleed at the end. I, I, yeah, you know, um, you know. And uh, my last, uh, it was the second, the second short film. I got run over by a car, right? <laughs> so in that one, the reporter's name is Ellie Brock, and she's the reporter, kind of, you know, Eddie Brock, the reporter, right? Yep. Met him. Um, so Ellie Brock is interviewing people, asking them what they think broke death. What's what's the conspiracy theory that they think? you know, actually is the truth about why people can no longer die. And um, in my Kickstarter welcome video, Ellie shows up. So I'm me, Lori Calcaterra, and I'm trying to introduce the comic like I normally do. And all of a sudden I have a surprise guest, which is Ellie Brock played by myself. So I'm interacting with myself on this. <laughs> it's really funny. Her <laughs> eye pops out at one point, like, she just says crazy stuff. She interrupts all the time. Um, it's really funny. And then I did a blooper reel. It's like a minute and a half. Uh, so it's really funny. Those will both be on the Kickstarter page when it launches. So please go watch that. Um, nice. I had a blast doing that. It's fun. That is fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely. Look, including the comic book and all the work you're doing there, you're also doing your own show on Tuesdays. Yeah. I mean, you have talked to so many people. I mean, uh, where are you finding all of this time to do all this different stuff? Did I mention a clone? <laughs> <laughs> um, I This is basically my full-time job because um, I'm doing comic book 24-7. Um, people, people don't realize how much time it takes and how many different hats that you wear. But I love my show. Uh, you know what? It came up this this week, it's a one-year anniversary that I took over the Tuesday Morning Brew on the Madness Network. It's a comic-related really? Madness Network. Uh, Pops Van Zant runs it. They got about 40 different shows. And it used to be a panel show, which is the people from the Madness would come on, and we would all yick it up, and it would go off the rails, and they would talk about dirty stuff and whatever. Um, and Pops was just like, you know, I really don't want to run this show anymore. Lori, do you want to take it over? Sure. Um, I, since comics became my full-time job and my kids are in both in school, I had that free time open. 
and um, it it evolved into more of an interview, a one-on-one, um, giving people a platform to talk about their own projects. And I love it because one, I get to pay it forward. I do a ton of these shows, and these shows are essential for me, you know, to be successful because. Um, it gets more eyes on my project. More people can find me. And uh, I, I think my project is pretty cool. Um, and as long as people know that I exist, you know, they'll come along for the shenanigans. Um, and I love to be able to provide that for other indie as well. So it's my way to pay it forward. Yeah. Plus, I get to meet so many cool people. Um, we yeah. trade secrets secrets it's like all right what's your best ideas for your kickstarter <laughs> you know but they go on i get to look at their kickstarter we talk about some of the cool things that they're doing um we trade ideas we stay in touch we promote each other um so it's great it's great for community building um and then just to be live and talk to fans i get to talk about path of the pale rider every week on my show so it's just a win-win-win yep. and i love it so yeah. I'm booked all the way out to November, Rook. <laughs> we know the feeling. <laughs> right? Well, people enjoy the show. Um, you get booked up. So yep. it's great. People, I love this show. That's why I'm always like, hey, <laughs> uh, here's my you next know, campaign. When can I come out? I'd love to come talk to you guys. Yeah, it, it's it's funny because like this show started as just us hanging out, talking about comics, just a bunch of friends chatting about comic books. And then we started doing interviews and like the creators just came and they yeah. were, you know, and we have so much fun when, when the creator, when any creator comes on, we enjoy you guys so much, yeah. you know, and just recently we had a couple of uh, episodes where it was just me and Don and we kind of look at each other and we're like, wow, this is weird. But it's actually kind of nice too. Oh, yeah. But it's weird. <laughs> like, what do you want to talk about, dude? We can pick whatever we want. Oh, that's not an issue. <laughs> oh yeah, trust me. There's plenty going on, right? <laughs> plenty. Pick your pick. Well, I mean, you, you you saw the the recent photos of the of the move of the collection. I mean, you know, there's never a shortage of comics to talk about around here. Right. I was like, wow, really? I had no idea. And I mean, like, we have a comic collection, but it's just everybody's collection is so different. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, and personal. So it's like when people actually show, you know, um, what they've been working on and what they've been collecting, it's always fascinating to me. Yeah. Your your personal collection, uh, are, where are you drawing most of that from? Is it from Kickstarter and people you've, you've gotten to meet and talk to? Um, I have a lot of indie um, I support a lot of other indie creators, of course. How could I not? Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of times on my show, I'm finding them like really cool projects. I'm like, I want to read this. Um, but we have our own collection. My husband collects as well. Um, so we have a lot of just like image and we love to collect like hardcover, beautiful books. Um, you know, we have East, the, the compendiums, like East of West and the omnibuses of uh, The Walking Dead and uh, my husband is still looking for those two fables that nobody can find, <laughs> right? He has them all except for those two uh, fables uh, got bought by, I want to say DC, who then shelved then stopped producing yeah. fables, which yeah. sucks. So there's two volumes that are extremely hard to find because uh, they were all sold out and then DC stopped printing them. Um Shoot me a message later. Let me know which ones they are. Yeah, I will. I'll have to ask him. But there's two. But they're like, if you find them, they're like thousands of dollars yeah. for an, for a volume. And I was like, oh, if you try to buy them online through a seller, they'll raise the price. But a, a friend of mine told me you can probably find them in a dollar box somewhere. And I, a friend of mine did find something that I was really wanting. It was far beyond what I wanted to get. When he mailed it to me, I was kind of embarrassed. He goes, oh, don't worry about it. He found it for five bucks at a used store. dollars. Okay. Now, you know, this this was like a $150 book. This wow. Guy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it has happened people. so many times over the years, coming across books that are like 50 bucks, $100, and you find them in dollar, bin, dollar bins, and yeah. you're just like, does nobody know these are here? 
Yeah, I'm like, I'll be like, shh, I will buy this. Don't tell anybody. Yeah. <laughs> you oh, said a dollar, fun. right? It's great. I will take it. Bye. It to be a <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I've asked you this before, and I, I know you're tired of me asking you this, but when you're finished, do you have a plan to finish Path of the Pale Rider, or is there more that you want to do with it? Um. I don't know if I had the number for you then, but I do now. There is an end. There has always been an end, but I didn't know how many issues it would take me to get there. Mm -hmm. um, it's three arcs of 12. So, okay. uh, like I said, the first now 12 have been done since 2018. Um, the second arc, I think I'm about nine or 10 issues in. So I have, I'm nine in. So I have, I had this point where there was a fight that happened and one of my characters has to make a decision and I got stuck there, but I'm so far ahead right now. I didn't have to like pick it up and make a decision. I know which way it's going to go now. I just need to sit down and write it. Um, huh. And after that, there's a giant battle <laughs> in the desert and I cannot wait to put that on paper. It's insane. Um, something bad happens at the end because I'm Lori Calcaterra. And then that leads <laughs> us into the third arc. Uh, which will be 12 issues, and then that is that will end it. That's it. Um, I've always said that a series is way better if there is an end in mind because you're working towards that ending. You can yeah. give the fan payoff. You can, you know what I mean? You can do all the cool things. You can build uh, the characters so that way the end hits the way it's supposed to be. It's breaking bad, in yeah. my you know opinion, versus lost. Lost had us completely lost. lost. We were yeah. lost, right? We didn't know what the heck was going on. Why is there a zoo here now? Why, you know and what I mean? Like, what is going on? How many episodes did it take him to open the stupid, right? Like, you know what I mean? You can tell the difference in the writing when there is an ending and, and you're working towards it. So yes, there is an ending. There is a resolution to what happened. Um, it's pretty powerful and it's traumatic. And uh I was traumatized by it myself. So if I'm traumatized, guess what? You get to be traumatized too. <laughs> you know, as as a writer, I think when you, because this happened to me uh, a few months back, uh, ending a story and writing the end, I'm sitting there, I'm just like, I'm such a horrible person. I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe. And then <laughs> with my writing, it's it's, for uh campaigns for for tabletop gaming when that part got played at the table i had to actually put my head down and not look at anybody and i kept uh, and i held up the miniatures for the two characters and recited the lines because i just could not look at people because yeah. i'm like oh i was crying because yeah. I, I i felt horrible doing it to these characters that i wrote for so long <laughs> you know it, it's yeah. it's hard you get attached to your yeah. characters yeah um yeah when we get there someday um we'll have a, a catharsis i guess it's a moment where we will bond over uh happiness and emotions and trauma and and everything it, it has all of the, uh, everything wrapped into it um loss happiness closure it has it all so someday when we get there i, I feel like we will all embrace and then be like god damn it Lori <laughs> well I already say that at the end of every issue yeah. so but you know what I already have other projects that I've been working on I have this other series called the agency that's that has two seasons written it's like uh, uh six six issue arcs I have two whole seasons written um and a third one in my mind so we could always go do the agency the agency is like a spy and espionage that turns out to be something way different and then I have a whole nother supernatural series that I have not started. That's all up here. Um, it's like more like in the world of Constantine, um, okay. like that. And then I keep getting tapped to, to be in other projects. Like I'm writing issues four, five, and six of Psycho Sal. Mm. Um, I've written four and five. Uh, six is on the way. Um, there four, I think, is at the printer, and they're going to be kickstartering five. Um, I think it's September as well. But that's in production. I've seen pages of that, and it looks really good. 
that story is messed up. And I've crafted some pretty gnarly things into that one. It's like um, an 80s slasher serial killer in New Orleans. Yeah. Um, that's a great that's a great description of it. <laughs> yeah. I, and you've seen it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Messed up. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've read one, two and three, it's like I, I, you know, and that was Chris Hayes. who's a wonderful horror writer. He writes some some crazy things. And I got to tell you, when he read Path of the Pale Rider, because they're my publisher as well. Um, Charter Comics is my publisher. And Chris Hayes, a lot of his books are with Charter. Um, so I let him read the script of Path of the Pale Rider uh, when I was you know, trying to be on the team. And uh, this issue that's coming was the one that got him. He was like, holy shit, Lori. And I was like, all right, <laughs> now if I can get the guy who writes horror for a living, if I can get him. Just be like, what? <laughs> yeah, this is the issue where you're going to be like, what? Yeah, so that's what's coming this in for. Anyway. So I picked up where he left off and like the first scene that I wrote, there's people puking because I was like, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Someone found this scene. They would just be losing their cookies, dude. Um, so yeah. So in the preview for four, if you look at their Kickstarter, there's just some dude puking. I was like, ah, I wrote that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Psycho Sal, I think came, I've I've actually missed Psycho Sal's Kickstarters, and I and I I, I get aggravated by it. I keep missing them, but the first issue came in a bundle, off of maybe even your one of yours, and I read it and I was like, oh man, this is good. So I I, like hearing that that's coming. I'm excited because I'm I really want to get caught up on that one. Yeah. So four starts a new perspective. One, two, and three were wit- written from the point of view of the homicide detectives and uh, the FBI that are trying to find this guy. And they're the ones that kept like finding the clues and trying to piece things together about what happened. Um, they figure out his pattern, but they still have nothing, which says yeah. something about who this guy is. So you'll see them moving through my arc because they're still there. Because they're going to come back um, in seven, eight, and nine, and I think Chris Hayes is picking those back up, and he he and I actually might write some of that together, um, depending on where William Russell wants the story to go. So yeah. I'm doing that. Um, I got tapped to write another series, another creator series called Incantessi. I'm super excited about this one because even though like Path of the Pale Rider is pretty much like action horror sci-fi. Um, uh, you know, Psycho Cell is 100% horror and psychological damage, emotional damage, right? Um, Incantessi is magic, uh, ballet, and time travel. Ooh. Those together. Oh. Um, it's it's insane. And um, I'm friends with the creator on that one. His name is Rich Parada. And Rich is actually, uh, he was an inker on Batman for DC back in the 90s. And uh, that name independent... familiar. what's that? I thought the name sounded familiar. Yeah, yeah. He's been around for a long time. Uh, he actually teaches art at a, a college in the UK right now, um, wow. which is really interesting. But nice. he did issues one and two of Incantessi, and then he was like, I don't, I don't know where to take it, um, which happens with a lot of artists. They have these great ideas. And they kind of write themselves into a corner when he was like, I need, I need help. And I was like, well, tell me about like, how does the magic work? And what's the history? What's the canon? And like, what's the motivation between your two main characters that are always butting heads? And um, I just took it and ran with it. So I finished out, he wrote one and two. Um, I'm writing three, four, five, six of that. And then I wrote a second season to that too. Then I'll close it out, which is nuts. So another six. I'm going to be busy. Yeah, um, just a little. <laughs> I was kind of curious when you said you wrote an arc for another book. Why? But it's because they kind of wrote themselves into the corner. What is it like to write someone else's piece, you know, compared to your own? What would be the difference? Were there any? Yes. Um, William Russell is in very much in control of where his story goes. So I might have some ideas about what I want to do to flesh out his story, but he will come in with like, here's where we start. Here's where we need to end. Right. 
um, here's the character, here's your name, here's, here's the other characters in the story that you can weave into it any way you want to, but these are the people that need to be in the story. Rich was more like, here's the, the stuff that I've already written, um, here's kind of how it works, where do you see it going? So he was a little more, uh, had, I had more freedom about where to go with that, but still it's his story and his mechanics and I have to try and stay within the canon that he has already written. So a lot of times like I'll write and I'll be like, okay, I need to ask him a question, you know, before I can write this next part, I want to make sure it, you know, if he's kind of like, do I remember this? And uh, I'll go back and reread a lot um, when it's other people's stuff. I go back and reread my own stuff, I guess. It's yeah. just a common thing. Um, but with Rich, a lot of times I'm like, okay, here's where I'm at. And he and I will talk through the issue and he'll spout out ideas and then I'll work him into the story. So it's just, it just depends on, the creator, they're all different. Um, it's kind of like, it's just the same thing with artists. They're all different. Some of them want more hands-on. Some of them need less hands-on. Marco, it's like, here's my script. And he's like, okay. <laughs> like, right. Do well, a good job, honey. See you later. <laughs> did that, um, was that, is that kind of like stepping away from your story for a little bit, kind of refresh you to come back in, or is it just to help someone else out? Um, I would say a little bit of both. It helps me creatively. Uh, and I, I like to to stretch my creative wings in other genres mm -hmm. besides just my own. Because um, a lot of times writers, <clears throat> artists, actors, people can get typecast into certain categories, certain genres, right? Yeah, um, easy. It's real easy to be like, oh, Lori only writes horror. But it's like, have you read this Incantessi? She wrote something with magic and ballet. Go read it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just something where it, it builds trust in me as well. So if I'm like, hey, you know, I write horror, but look at this other fantasy series, people aren't going to just discontinue it from the from the jump. Like, oh, that's not, she doesn't do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is what probably will happen in the beginning until people actually read it and can find out how great it really is. Yeah. Well, and, you know, as as a writer, you want to be, you want to explore. You want to look look at different things and concepts and ideas. Um, you know, one of uh, a fantastic writer that that jumps around into whatever he feels like writing. Uh, Anthony Stokes. Uh, Stokes yes. jumps from you know horror to yeah. action, sci-fi, wrestling. Uh, I mean, the guy the guy just he's like I had an idea. I ran with it. Yep, mm -hmm. here we go. <laughs> In this case, everything he writes, they're different, but you always feel, deeply feel for the main character and relate to the main character, even though I have nothing in common with any of those characters, but yet I feel like I know him and I feel for him every single time. But yeah, he... Great writer. Yeah, yep. he does jump around a lot in different things, but yet I, I identify with every character he's done. Yeah. Yeah. Something. yeah. If you can feel sympathetic for the characters that he's building into the story and they're also different, then that's a sign of a great writer. Yeah. Um, that's that's how I knew my story had legs, because in the first one, when that character dies, and I was like, ha ha, everybody feels bad. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it's you, as writer, you want to pull on heartstrings and you want to get people invested in your story. You know, and the ability, the ability to do that without hammering it over someone on some onto the page and like brutalizing the 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 concept, it's not easy to do. You have to you be know? subtle with it, otherwise it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, you know, in order well, to really feel empathy for a character, it needs to be a subtle building relationship, building qualities, because um, then when you kill him, it hurts a lot more. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you, you don't have to kill the person to make you feel. In the first issue, That's true. When, when Judd found the little girl and then how the mother acted, that killed me. And I felt so bad for him. I felt so bad for the little girl. I felt bad for the whole society. And you warned me about this and we, you yeah. and I talked. But yet, when you read the book, I'm like, oh, good God, this is horrifying. Um, but you can really trust no one. I wouldn't trust someone to be there with my kid. And you told me that several times in, in the thing. Well, my head is reeling and I'm starting to cry a little bit, you know. But nevertheless, when you read the book, I'm like, well, <laughs> wait a minute. 
Now, I okay. wanted to ask you something, Rook mm. and Don. Well, Don, you haven't read number three. No. Have you? Okay, so then Rook. Um, how much did you relive from your 2020 years? Oh, my God. In book three. And I always, this is why I tell people right from the jump, I wrote this in 2018. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, like, knowing the time, knowing where you, at what year you wrote that, it's, it, it, it was frighteningly accurate to the insanity we all suffered through in 2020. And, like, at times I got aggravated going through it because I'm like, oh, my God, this. Oh, wait, no. You got to remember, yeah. she wrote this way before that happened, <laughs> you know? The yeah. news cycle, the way people behaved, the, uh, you know, just, it, it, oh, yeah. It, it, it was a frustration going through that part, you but yet it was also, it you was, know? yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, um, his at one point his mom's just like just sits there and just like watches everything over it like nonstop. Yes. And you know, doing doing what I do for a living, uh uh on my work life, I go into people's homes and I was still doing some of that during twenty twenty. And I found people doing exactly what she was, just sitting there watching the news cycle nonstop, twenty four seven. Because they're stuck at home and they don't know what else to do. Right. And it's it was heartbreaking, you know. I was also trying to say something in the comic about um, watching the world kind of slowly burn down. Well, in this case, it was quick. It was quick and burned down, right? But experiencing that in a removed way, being like, oh, I feel so bad for the people until it comes home. Yeah. Right. And at the end of the issue, it's like that thing that she was watching is now going to happen and yeah. there is no getting out of it. So yeah. that's kind of the the statement I was making is like you can watch and you can be detached and thoughts and prayers kind of attitude until it comes home. And then there's nothing else you can do. You're now a part of it. Yeah. Um, it's just interesting, though. We there is one part of 2020 that did influence the art because as you watch her, watch the TV, things start getting added to the room because they're starting to like hoard food yeah. and there's yeah. like a box of toilet paper. Yep. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. Which there's wasn't little... part of the script, but it is now right. Because yeah. people would hoard toilet paper. Yeah. Yeah. There was little, there's little things in the details of each panel that, if you go back and reread for anybody who has issue three, go back, look again and realize things are building in the background, you know, and it's it it, it is so reminiscent of 2020. Um, the the only thing I'll say. I don't believe it would take five years. No, I think, it wouldn't. I think it would um, down much sooner. But. <laughs> Let's say that you're in a rural part of wherever you live. That's kind of where they are. They're not in a big city. Yeah. Um, I feel like cities would burn down real quick yeah. uh, with the the way yeah. that things would go. And like the further outskirts you are, it would take a little time to get yeah. to you. But eventually, it's a it's a it's a you know swarm of locusts. It just will take you out. You know. Um, Funny uh, I say that because that's in the story later. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know that's that's one of the things with reading issue three after issues one and two, you know how bad it's actually going to get, mm-hmm. and it, it's like a feeling of dread in those pages. Like uh, you know, it's it's all going to turn real bad real soon, and you know it. it you just watch the build in issue mm-hmm. three, and. Mm-hmm. It, it's fantastic the way you did it, doing the first two issues in, in current time and then flashbacking in issue three to watch everything burn and everything build to what we see in the first two issues. And, you know, you're saying issue four is really when it just all just falls down. You just raise everything to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it took us five five years in Jude's timeline to kind of get to where he is. And then of course, something big happens, consequences, right? Yep. Something bad happens. Um, so 
issue four is really uh, dealing with what happened um, in a in a way that's it's it's really hard. And I mean, if you think about his family dynamic, um, one of his parents is deaf. Um, and if you can imagine going through the apocalypse, not being able to communicate with people, yeah, uh, which could be very hard. And then after what happened, you know, the paranoia of I, they're gonna they're gonna come get me, and I'm not gonna be able to communicate. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it's it's a scary thought. It, it, it's a very scary thought, and oh. you know, uh, it's <clears throat> it's insane to think that this was written in 2018 and you're literally throwing out the things that we dealt with in 2020, 2021, 2022, and we're still dealing with in 2023 with things like immigration, uh, you know, how, you know, the, the, the lesser and the greater ideology that people feel that they are, I'm, I'm the greater, they're the lesser, you know? So it's, it's really wild to think how long ago this was written and how how timely it is now. And it's it's a statement about society that something that was written in 2018 is completely relevant still in 2023. Like this stuff could happen right now and this is the way it would go. But that has all happened before uh, yeah. in history. We uh-huh. have treated people as lesser. We have gone into houses. We have hid people in the attic, yep. right? Yes. It has all yeah. happened before. So yep. um, I think at some point early on, I had said, like, I, I point a spotlight at humanity. And at some points, I show how ugly we can be towards each other. Um, and that's really ultimately what this is, is it's, it's, um, it's a it's a made up crisis, but I think the res, the human response is spot on how exactly. ugly we yeah. can be because of what we have seen in the past. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's just hard to have ri- having written that and like my sister read the whole thing as I was writing it and she was reading it and um, 2020 was happening and she was like, please stop writing. Um, <laughs> I can't handle it. You need to stop. Put it aside for a little bit because. Um, Nope. I, I Getting a little can't. close to home here. Yeah. Because I was writing the second arc at that point and she was like, stop writing. <laughs> like, yeah. well, okay. But, you know, this is one of the things that makes your campaign fun is the subject matter and the storyline is very heavy, very heady, huh? very much, you know, you, you you're invested in this and you understand and you see what's happening. And then the absurdity of the things like smashing watermelons. <laughs> Stuff like, yeah. you, hey, man, you got a fine line to walk in this world, right? <laughs> in one hand, you have all the destruction. On the other hand, we got to be creative and, and laugh um, yeah. because otherwise it just can just be a, such a dark place. And like you said, we talk about we talk about some dark things like last issue. I had a cover where there was a naked lady on the front, an undead naked lady. And we were talking about how um that would be a thing where women would probably be um forced into that the oldest profession trafficked yeah yeah we would be trafficked uh women would be trafficked but undead especially because what if you can't remember you know what i mean and how long is it okay for you know what i mean so there's so many topics that are out there about this world that we can discuss um, that are not even in the story, but that's, that's why I love the short films. That's why I love the interaction because, um, I might be inspired to do something crazy in the yeah. next one. Who knows? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know what I can do for five to top. Always <laughs> 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 popping things. <laughs> All right. Of course, everybody's going to go to the Kickstarter. There's going to be a link on the blog. I guys check it out. Lori, where can everybody else go to find you and find Path of the Pale Rider? Oh, I'm all over the place, guys. So um, enjoy the Kickstarter. Go there. Watch Ellie Brock fall off her chair and do ridiculous things. Um, Make sure you back. Pick a level that you can back. I'll have a ketchup level, of course, with a ketchup bottle. That's where you can, if you're new to Path of the Pale Rider, you can get everything that we've done. We have the Choose Your Own Adventure book on there as well that you can add on. Um, you can find us on Facebook. I have a group called Path of the Pale Rider. That's where 
most of the shenanigans start to be yeah. honest with you yes, um rooks in there he knows we 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 play games and we do polls and we do shenanigans in there all the time um we're on instagram it's at path of the pale rider with an underscore between all the words it's super annoying but it's there um that's the same handle for our tiktok you can see um i make merch so you'll see me make merch you'll see like art you'll see um all sorts of shenanigans on there too really um where i'm on x i'm on threads we have a website uh, I have a blog on the website that nobody reads. And I know because I dropped spoilers in there and no one has said anything about it once to me, which is hilarious. <laughs> I think I've called out my brother in there just to see if he was reading it. Nope. He didn't read it either. Um, <laughs> but that's just www.pathofthepalerider.com. Um, you'll always see updates. I'm kind of slow updating that because I hate the website, but whatever. There's a shop there. So if we're ever not running a, a campaign, which it happens. I mean, like we run, we're trying to run three to four a year right now. We're only doing two just because of, you can't trust people. Um, I won't go into detail anyway. Um, so you can head over to the, the webpage and you can purchase directly from me there. Um, I have everything up there. I think when I sell out of variants though, they go out of stock, but, um, I'll show like our history on Kickstarter, like a page that shows like, when we ran, what was the Funko Pop? What was the riddle? What was the secret reward? Uh, how many days we ran? What was our goal? What was our percentage goal? How many backers? In case you're interested in our growth, that's just kind of where I put it so I can keep track of it as well. Um, I always do a creative thank you page so you can see the creative thank you page on there if you want to go find your name. Um, it's always there. I've done people people's names in skulls. I've done people on um, a disc. Um, this last one I did a Michigan State accident report and I killed off half the backers. It was great. <laughs> like 50% of them were in the deceased column and then the other 50% were like witness. Um, but it looks like an official document with everybody's names listed. It's hilarious. Uh, so we have fun. We do creative things. And I really hope uh, that you enjoy what we're doing just because we're having so much fun doing it. Um, the story is great. Choose your own adventure is a riot. You can die. And you're gonna die a lot. Grizzly death, 99% of the time. There is a way to win. You can find it. Um, Rook, did I you solve yet. the riddle for three yet? No, I did not. I, I, I I've been so crazy with everything. I haven't hey, even tried. So you're driving, right? So when it's not your turn to drive, <laughs> you can sit there with your comic and your phone. And it just takes you to like all these different YouTubes. Um, okay. Some of them are funny. Some of them are like movie trailers that have inspired Path of the Pale Rider. So you'll find horror, zombie, Western, anime. Um, there's a video, if you can find it, of the Swedish chef making hot sauce. Um, I think there's some Muppets. There might be a He-Man singing. Um, but one of them is bonus content. And um, I've been told it's super creepy by everybody who has found it. So. Oh, boy. All right. Well, looks like I got something to do. Challenge. Uh, <laughs> challenge. The gauntlet has been thrown down. It's just a fun time. It's a fun time. And when you find it, you'll know exactly which one it is. Nice. Nice. All right. Everything we talked about can be on the blog. Just go to bunchofdorks.com, click on the Cyclops. We have a cover gallery for people to do covers for the Facebook page and the Facebook group. If you'd like to do one, just go to the contact page and send it to us. Uh, we also have a T-shirt on the sidebar of the blog. It's just to help us with the hosting fees. Listen to the show, wear the shirt. Rook? Everybody, check us out, bunchofdorks.com. Click on that Cyclops. Until next time, everybody. Read. More comics. You can hear our most recent 20 episodes on iTunes. If you would like to hear our older episodes, you can find them on our blog. Just go to bunchofdorks.com and click, click on, on the Cyclops. The Your Dimension can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe, rate, leave a review, tell a friend, or like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening.